0: Our question for study this morning is... Simple. Are you a peacemaker? Are you a peacemaker? Well, I think a lot of the parents, maybe especially the moms who have young children at home, say, you better believe I'm a peacemaker. I mean, My kids are fighting all the time. I'm having to intervene. I'm having to try to make peace. When the kids are fighting with each other, they fight so much, I have to make peace all the time. I'm a peacemaker. Well, maybe. Well, oh, what about maybe some of the ambassadors of our country, some of the emissaries of other nations, you know, uh, and, and they go about diplomacy. They're trying to work out issues that exist between nations to try to either prevent war from breaking out or maybe to resolve a war once it has already started to make peace between nations. Is that what's under consideration, a peacemaker? Or maybe... Maybe a policeman or some other law enforcement officer, because don't we sometimes refer to them as peace officers? Because their job is to try to sort of keep everybody in society, in, in, in our communities, trying to keep peace so that there aren't uh, people being hurt or harmed or some kind of crime being committed. We call them peace, offering, peace officers. Is any of that? Does any of that have to do with what Jesus was talking about when He said here in the Beatitudes, "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God." What did Jesus mean by that? And that'll be our study this morning as we continue to look at the Beatitudes. We stop. Just to add words of welcome to those that have already been expressed. We're glad that you are here. We appreciate you very much. We do have visitors today. We're always grateful for visitors. We glad you came our way. We want you to come back. And we are always open to questions. Uh, we are very open to the kind of questions someone might ask you. What are you doing? That? Why are you doing it that way? Um, and, and we'd be glad to try and explain. And I hope what you'll find when we try to make that explanation is we're going to go to the Bible. We're going to try to show from the Scriptures what we're doing and why we're doing it that way. So if you have any questions, especially if you're a visitor and you have any question about What's going on here at college? You please ask, and we'll try to give you an answer. All right, we want to continue our discussion of the Beatitudes that we've been engaged in for the last several weeks. Remember, these are like the introductory comments of the famous Sermon on the Mount. The passage we've been studying is in the early verses of Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew's account, Matthew 5, chapters 5, 6, and 7, that's the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, And and these are the introductory statements in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. Remember that we call them Beatitudes because they come from that Latin word beatus, which means blessed, well-favored. Some versions even say happy in the sense of spiritually blessed or rejoicing, the Beatitudes. Here we have this one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. So what is this peace that we are talking about? What's the peace under consideration? This word translated in in English, if I can say it right, is irene in the Greek. Uh, It's found in, this is interesting, it's a common word in the New Testament. It's found in every New Testament book except one. It's found 80 times in all in the New Testament. Very often when when the Apostle Paul wrote his epistles or his letters to various churches, at both the start and the end of the messages that Paul would send to the churches, he expressed his desire that they would have peace. And so, what was this peace? Uh, well, uh, it was in in Jesus' parting words. He mentioned it. Notice with me in John chapter 14, verse 27. In this very near the end of Jesus' life, he knew he was soon to be arrested, tried, crucified. He's trying to comfort his disciples. And he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Notice, peace. My peace. Jesus said, I have come so that you can have peace. Now, think about that for a minute. It was his very purpose. His mission in coming was that they might have peace. If you think about that, That is going to be a key to help us understanding the meaning that we're looking for. What is this peace under consideration when it says, blessed are the peacemakers? Well, Jesus had his prime mission and purpose was to bring peace. Notice again, just a little later in John 16, verse 33, these things I have spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have trouble, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus said, what I've been teaching you is so that you can have peace. Now think about that for a minute. Jesus did not come to end civil wars. He didn't come to end wars between nations. If that's what he came for, he didn't he didn't accomplish it. In fact, you'd have to rate him as a pretty bad failure if his purpose was to come to end wars between nations. Uh, he didn't come with that mission in mind. He did not come with the idea that all fighting would cease and that all men worldwide would get along with each other. That was not in his view. That was not his purpose. That's not even what he set out to do. In fact, here's what Jesus knew would happen. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, he says, Think not that I am come to send peace. Wait a minute. Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own house. Jesus came to bring peace. We already said that. But he himself knew that men would be at odds with one another. In fact, that they would be at odds with one another concerning him. That they would be at warring factions because of him. And it has always been so. So Jesus came to bring peace, but even in saying that, he knew that it wouldn't be a peace uh, of, of a carnal or physical sort. He said, there's, in fact, there's going to be fighting concerning me. Even among families, there'll be fighting concerning me. And so the answer must be that the peace that Jesus offers is not a peace between men, but a peace between men and God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the peace. This is the peace that Jesus came to establish. He came to establish peace with God. It would certainly be nice if all men got along. That that really never has happened. In fact, the Scriptures indicate that it never will happen, that there will always be wars and fighting. But we can have peace with God And that's what Jesus came to establish in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, beginning, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do you see it? Do you see the kind of peace that we can have? And so, when we ask this question, what kind of peace is under consideration when Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers? I think it's very clear that he's talking about making peace with God. Uh, And therefore, a peacemaker, as is used in this text that we're studying this morning, is, is not an arbitrator of men's disputes, but rather a peacemaker is a person who helps people come to peace with God. That's what the peacemaker is of this text, I believe. The peacemaker is one who helps making peace between God and man. Now, if you think about that, that's a really big job. That's, that's, a, that's a major assignment because men do some horribly terrible things. Uh, when you think about the sins of mankind, they're pretty gross and awful. But don't just think about the sins of those people out there. Think about our sins. Think about my sins. I've done some pretty awful things that alienate me from God. I'm, I'm on the outs with God. There's enmity between me and God, between you and God. We're at warring factions with God, if you can imagine that. And Jesus came to reconcile that. Jesus came to establish peace between us and God. That's a big assignment. It's something that's badly needed because Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So all all accountable people are at odds with God. How can peace be made? Well, the peace is accomplished through the gospel message. Through the message contained in the the gospel, uh, the gospel message about Jesus and what he has accomplished. Real quickly, notice Ephesians 5, verse 16. It is the gospel of peace. Romans chapter 10, verse 15, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Acts 10, verse 36, the word, of God, the word which God sent preaching peace by Jesus Christ. There's how peace is attained through the gospel message. It's a big job. It's a really, it's a really difficult thing, but God has made it possible, and the preaching of the gospel shares that with all men. All right, so have we got a right picture then? Blessed are the peacemakers. What what are we talking about here? Ambassadors between nations? uh, Maybe a policeman who's a police officer? Maybe a parent who mediates fights between the kids? No. I think all those things are necessary, but that's not what's under consideration in this text. What's What's under consideration here is making peace with God, bringing men to a peaceful relationship with God. Now, that What that's saying is that we are blessed if we engage in that work. We are blessed if we are instrumental in helping make peace between men and God. I want to tell you, though, uh, if that is, and I believe it is, the right understanding here, then there are some obvious qualifications of peacemakers. If you're going to be a peacemaker, there are certain, there are certain things that must be true about you. For instance, it would be necessary for a peacemaker to be at peace with both parties. Uh, The blessedness of this beatitude, I think, implies that I'm at peace with God before I can try to bring someone else to God. I've got to be at peace with God myself. Uh, I'm at peace with God if I have obeyed that gospel message myself hear the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins, live faithfully serving Him. If I've done those things, and if I continue to live faithfully, then I enjoy a peace with God that I can help share with someone else. And, and it would really um, be foolish, and I shouldn't even imagine that I could do it to help someone else be at peace with God when I myself am not at peace with God. I think I've known of, and you may have known of instances of this when people have tried to do this and not successfully. I've known some parents, for instance, who wanted their children to be Christians, wanted their children to be faithful Christians. They wanted their children to go to church and serve God, and and so they sent them to church, or they took them to church and dropped them off. They wanted that for their children, but they weren't practicing that themselves. I've never really known that to be a successful endeavor. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but I'm saying that, that that's really a bad approach, right? A, a peacemaker, one who wants to bring a lost soul into a right relationship with God, the implication is if I'm going to be that peacemaker, I need to be at peace with God myself before I could do that. So I think that would be one obvious qualification. But then also, the the a qualification of a peacemaker would be that he he has a strong desire to see that happen. Uh, Some people just don't seem to have a lot of ambition in this area, and that's a mistake. We ought to desire to be peacemakers because, as Jesus said, there's a blessedness that comes from being a peacemaker. So I, I, I need to be right with God, and I need to have a strong desire to bring others into a right relationship with God. Okay, if that's the case, then how to do it? How to do it? Each of these lessons, we've tried to focus on some suggestions about how we can be more like that. And how can we be a peacemaker then? Well, several things might help our thinking, turn our attitude more in this direction of doing this important work. One of the things that will help is if we stop to realize God's own great concern for lost people. Uh, how important is it to God to be at peace with man? I mean, why would He even care? Uh, here's God. He, he's the Almighty Creator. He He spoke into existence the entire physical universe. He has that kind of power. He supersedes the universe. He's not confined by the physical limitations of the entire universe. He's greater, grander than all that we know in creation. Why would He care to be at peace with Finite, tiny little men. Why would he care? Well, he does care. And how much he cares is in evidence in the fact that he sent his son to make this peace possible. Uh, the famous verse is John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If it's that important to God, and if I recognize that, that it's that important to him, and I care about Him, I want to love God, what's important to Him ought to be important to me. If it's that important to God, it ought to motivate me to be involved in this bringing together of God and lost men. Also, I think we could just strive to be like Jesus. Uh, As we saw earlier, Jesus identified His mission and purpose as bringing peace. That's what He was about. He came to bring peace between God and man. He gave His everything. He gave His all. He gave His very life in order to make that possible. Now, we know that's true. And if we are honestly His disciples, then we should, His goals should be our goals. What He wanted should be what we want. Jesus so simply stated it in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, when he said, The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That's what he saw as his purpose. That's why he came. You want to boil it all down? What was the purpose of Jesus coming? To seek and save the lost. Say it in the way that we're expressing it in our lesson this morning. He came to make peace between God and man. We should strive to be like Jesus. So, Think about God, his love for mankind, Jesus, all that he did to accomplish this. And then, very simply, just remember that we actually commanded to do this work. This is sort of a bottom line consideration. If nothing else makes sense to us, just let this make sense to us. We were told to do so. You remember the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you all, even to the end of the world. We've done this before, but have you ever noticed how this, the way this is worded actually accomplishes a sort of chain reaction effect? Who was he speaking to here? He was speaking to his apostles, right? He said, go, teach, baptize. Right, so they, they were specifically sent out to teach and baptize people, make disciples, Uh, convert people to Christ. But as they converted people to Christ, they were to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. So you go teach and baptize, and then those who have been converted, you teach them to do what I told you to do. What did I tell you to do? Go and teach and baptize. And so the Great Commission just keeps rolling over from generation to generation. Every new generation of Christian becomes obligated with the same... Instruction. Go, teach, baptize. It's a command. It's an expectation. Uh, if we are children of God, if we are Christians, it is our job, our responsibility. We've been commanded to convert others. I think also a motivator would be to remember the value of souls. What's the one greatest thing that you can do for another person? Well, there's lots of good things to be done in this world. There are hungry people who need to be fed. Uh, there are people who don't have adequate clothes or housing to keep themselves warm and protected from the weather. Uh, there, there are people in this world. It's, it's so hard for us to imagine. We have such a blessed life. There are people in this world who don't even have clean water to drink. I mean, There's a lots of good things that can be done. I suggest to you we should be looking for those opportunities to do more and more good for people. But I going to tell you, the one greatest thing that we can do for people is to make peace with God. Help them be at peace with God. It is the very best thing we could do for anyone. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 26, What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Think about it. So here's this guy, and, and maybe he's hungry. Oh, if I can, I need to relieve his hunger but he's lost in sin. The, the best thing I could do for him because if he's hungry and I feed him, he's going to get hungry again. Ultimately, his physical body's going to die. It'd be great to do good for him if he's in that sort of desperate need. I should do that good. But the better, even better thing I could do for him, if, if, I, if I was able to give him the whole world and all the wealth of the world, if I could give him everything there was in the world, but he lost his soul, it would would profit him nothing. The best thing of all that I can do for him, although I should do other good as well, the very best thing I can do for him is, is to bring him to peace with God. And so we need to remember the value of souls. That's going to help us have this attitude, this desire to be a peacemaker. Finally, I would just suggest to you, we just need to be busy, get to work. You remember the Nike ad campaign that went on for many years, Just Do It. Just Do It was their ad campaign slogan. And it's certainly applicable here. This is this is work that needs to be done. We need to just do it. But notice, it is work. It, it requires effort. It, it, we, we don't get this done uh, without recognizing the need and engaging in the effort. We just need to do the work. In Proverbs chapter 11, Verse 30, it says, "...the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise." He that winneth souls is wise. You know how I might paraphrase that if I was going to try to paraphrase that? If you're a person who engages in activity with the hope of bringing lost people into a peaceful covenant relationship with God, if if you work as a peacemaker... To reconcile lost men to God, you get it. You see it. You are recognizing what it's all about, right? I think that's what this means, he that wineth souls is wise. In other words, you see the big picture. You've You've got a real grasp of what it's all about. If you see the need to bring lost people to a peace with God, you are really making the connections that need to be made it's what it's all about okay so see the progression that we went that we've was what we've done in every one of these lessons we've tried to identify what what it's talking about and then how we can be more like that and that's what we've done here peacemakers are the ones who bring lost men to peace with god we we'll talk about some things that will help us get there What's the benefit of it? What's the result? Well, the result is they shall be called the children of God. Now, now wait a minute. I thought back up here we said to be a to be a peacemaker, you need to already yourself be at peace with God. So I would already be a child of God, wouldn't I? If I'm trying. If, if I'm the right kind of peacemaker and I'm trying to bring other lost people to a relationship with God, be at peace. We said earlier that the implication of that is that I'm already in a right relationship with God. So, what about the result here? I don't think this is saying you will be. This will make you a child of God. I, I don't think that's. This is using the terminology in a different sense. You want to know what I believe this means? They shall be called the sons of God. Think of our phrase, like father, like son. Like father, like son. How many, how many times have you heard someone say, that boy is just like his daddy. What do you mean by that? He's like father, like son. He acts just like his father acts. He does the same things his father does. He is. Sometimes we say, he, he is his father over, Right? That's what this means. If you, if you are devoted to this work of reconciling lost people to God, you're going to be like your spiritual father. You're going to be like God in heaven because it's so important to God. And he's done so much to bring it about. He's, he, he's provided his grace and mercy abundant to make it possible for men to be at peace with God. And if you get involved in that work, you're going to be like your father in heaven. It's going to be like father, like son. You see it? That's, that's the expression here. Blessed are the peacemakers because they, those who engage in this important work of making peace are going to be like their father in heaven. They're going to be called the children of God. It's really important work. We need to do it. We need to be doing it uh, very diligently. We need to work hard at it. Maybe here at the start of a new year is a good time for us to talk about the importance of being evangelistic and trying to find lost people and share with them the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so important. We need to be peacemakers. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say this morning. hope it's helpful. We're going to end our lesson by singing a song of invitation in which we'll be encouraging everyone here. Make sure you're at peace with God if that is that you're an accountable person but you've not yet obeyed the gospel plan of salvation, that's what you need to do. You're not going to be at peace without that. Uh, So if we can assist you in your obedience or if we can help you and give you instruction as to what you must do to be saved, that simple gospel plan is hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. If we can be of assistance, let us know. If you're a child of God already, but you've slipped away and you're not at peace with Him anymore because you've let sin enter into your life, Come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing.